you've got to listen to me. Elementary Chaos Theory tells us that all robots will eventually turn against their masters and run amok in an orgy of blood and kicking and the biting with the metal teeth and the hurting and shoving. How much time do we have, Professor? Well, according to my calculations, the robots won't go berserk for at least 24 hours. Oh, I've got to uh, carry the watch. You know, life. Yeah. Um, Thanks for being chill. Yep. I guess to address something right off the bat, this episode may or may not sound different. We had to mix up our recording situation a little bit. Uh, Heatwave and all that. Gotta love it. Yet another. Although I guess where we normally record, it doesn't take much of a heatwave to make the space unusable. Yeah. And even though today's a cooler day, it hasn't really cooled down. So. But I'm in the process of rearranging, and if I get the office set up how I want it. Perfect. So, this was a weird episode, wasn't it? Weird watch, at least. Yeah, weird watch. Watches. Because um, I've noticed over the last few years, and I think maybe people are returning to this well of comfort, nostalgia's been really big. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's always been like that, but... Definitely post 9-11. Gotcha. Well, that's when, like, Disney princess culture really, like, blew up, and, like, adults who, like construct their entire personality around liking disney as right. adults gotcha. and stuff like that was a very like post 9-11 return to something that's stable and comfortable and nostalgic yeah. and so even though not everything we were covering today would have even been around the time of the pandemic just in like broader i guess pop culture or discourse or whatever the hell you want to call it um i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if given the state of the world for the last 18 or so months if uh that's similar thing kind of, is kind of happening yeah, just kind of uh, jumping back into what's comfortable. Because yeah. that's uh, how you phrase that's a really interesting way to put it. Yeah, when everything's know? in flux, you want something that's comforting. And if you associate something from your childhood with, like, not having problems and being really joyful and wondrous and all these things, then, yeah, it makes sense why people would retreat to that. You also have, like, you know, adults who are so like, oh, I'm, like, obsessed with Harry Potter. I'm a Slytherin. What are you? Like, there's just... You see so many, and I'm not trying to like disparage these as while well, I'm saying this. I'm just, I'm just like it's interesting. Yeah, it's like um, do what you got to do, you know. <laughs> you know, I think I was even saying like uh, in my Twitter bio, part of it says horror is my life, and I mean that in the extent that it's just like I love horror movies right. and I want to work in the genre, but it's an interest. Yeah, it's not. It's not literally my life. Yeah, it's not like a defining. And uh, I find it interesting that we've moved into this thing where these like pop culture moments, we grab onto them so mm-hmm. much, and uh, I, I think it feeds into that nostalgia kind of thing yeah. where it's just like you know find comfort in in this this thing that brings you joy. Yeah. Uh, in to the world. point of like finding identity. Yeah, because the world's so unstable that yeah. it's like. Yeah, but it's interesting, too, on that note, that um, 
a lot of nostalgia thrives on the whole rose-colored glasses kind of thing. Uh-huh. Like, uh, the, uh... Nostalgia for the 50s and stuff. Well, before today, where it was just like they kind of forgot about the wars and the races and all that. But yeah. now it feels like they have nostalgia for that shit too, and it's depressing. Honestly, like, and because, yeah, nostalgia is always the longing for this glorified past that, like, didn't really exist yeah. as we think it did. And so, you know, like, the 80s was looking back to the 50s, yes. and the 50s was looking back to, like, pre war. Yeah. And that, like, it's just, it always goes back to. Like, oh, it was something that's located in the past as opposed to, like, what can we do with the future? Yeah, but uh, today's look at nostalgia, it's kind of interesting to look because, as we've mentioned, it's about stability and comfort. Mm -hmm. Yet the two pieces of nostalgia-based media we're looking at are purposely taking things that were happy, joyful childhood comfort things and then turning them into, like, fucked-up horror movies. what if we lived in a world where those weren't? It's, uh really skewing the the obsession with nostalgia in this mm-hmm. way where it's like this is not stable it's destabilizing stuff that we look to as stable right and it's like is this the more realist version of nostalgia or is it more of a nihilistic look at it yeah like, or is it just another way of like remembering or misremembering yeah because it is still a uh, misconstruing it or yeah or changing it because yeah like we forget about the bad parts when we're nostalgic for the stability mm-hmm. but this too kind of forgets about the good parts to an extent. Yeah. So uh, first up, I guess, we watched a movie that kind of throws itself back to stuff that was definitely in my childhood Mm -hmm. and possibly yours. A little bit from mine, but I'm thinking more of the childhoods of like kids now even. Well, that's just, that's funny that that's the gulf where for me, I have the young nostalgia and then young kids today would also have nostalgia. It's so fucked up that that'd be considered nostalgia. Yeah, I was like, it was even nostalgia. At this point, I honestly don't know. Is it still just happening? Is Five Nights at Freddy's still really big with like elementary school kids? I don't know. But we watched the non nine nine frights at freddy's movie uh we watched willie's wonderland and for the nostalgia for me i'm thinking back to the days of chuck e cheese yeah like that that's why i was like well for me kind of like i remember yeah. like I've, I've been to like i don't know two birthday parties at chuck yeah. e cheese i remember the commercials for it and stuff it was a rare treat for me too yeah but it was like i had memories of it yeah, specifically yeah. like earning the tickets and like the the rock of fire explosion just going off on right. stage but i guess for me it's not pizza like i guess i know it's named after you know Chuck E. Cheese is the name and stuff, but I don't really remember the animatronics figuring in really big when I was there. I just remember playing games, getting tickets, oh, eating yeah. pizza, like but more man, a- activity stuff. That was, that was that was the house band, you know. Yeah, and I don't think I ever saw any of that. With so the, the, the the business's namesake, Charles <laughs> Entertainment Cheese. Yes, that was his full name, I guess. Um, yeah, it's so wild that it came back around in such a way, especially during know? COVID and all that shit's been closed. Yep. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so we watched Willy's Wonderland, a movie that I've been wanting to watch, but I was hesitant to, to just drop money on it kind of thing, because mm-hmm. I have been burned before, despite the uh, enjoyment of Mr. Cage's oeuvre. Yes. And, oh God, uh, I'm glad it was free on Netflix. I'll Me too. I, Me I'm too. so sorry, Scramsey. I'm so sorry that this <laughs> is how I, uh, I've done you dirty on this episode, but it, it didn't hit for me. Yeah, it's... It had its moments. It had, yes, yeah. yes. But overall, I was kind of like, why was this made? Like, yeah. I, I'm not upset that it was made. I just ask why. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it, it came up with an idea and it didn't commit to it enough mm-hmm. in certain regards. Yeah. And then while obsessing on certain aspects in other regards at the, uh, it's so weird to say this about this movie, but like 
in a way that drags down the story. <laughs> what have we got here? What, what is Willy's Wonderland for those who haven't seen yes. it or somehow haven't well, heard of it? Willy's Wonderland is a yeah, Chuck E. Cheese-like establishment that was open in buttfuck nowhere. I don't remember what even state they're supposed to be in. It's like a nowhere, small town nowhere. Yeah, USA. nowhere, nowhereville in particular, USA. No. Yeah, in the same in the same way with nostalgia, like Disney and everything, we have our like Main Street USA yeah. kind of thing. This is like nowhere USA. So that kind of other. Side Everyone of that. talks about small town charm. Yeah, and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. And they forget about the ways that small town can suck too. Mm-hmm. Not to say that cities are perfect either, but oh yeah, they're hot garbage yeah. in their own ways. But um, yeah, it was this establishment that um yeah had the singing animatronics and everything and it turned out that it had a uh some some very dark things happening there that ended up getting the place shut down at some point they tried to reopen it but the animatronics were basically coming alive and killing people yeah (laughs) and so the townsfolk have made a sort of you know deal with the devil with them of we'll supply you with life with blood with whatever but you have to leave our families alone and not terrorize us and so we get mr mr cage i will say just before we jump into that Mm -hmm. um the part you said i will say it it is pretty uh great i will give the the filmmakers and writers props on the premise that it was a chicky chicky cheese wow i can't speak today chucky cheese entirely staffed by serial killers yeah who then all do a suicide like satanists or whatever just like yeah it kind of did a like child's play kind of thing oh god yeah it was so child's play and how it flipped Mm -hmm. but anyway yeah but yes um, mr cage yeah along comes mr cage as one of these unwitting victims who gets kind of ensnared into it and their kind of ruse to get people in is they set up those like highway spike, th- like fuck up your car, your wheels, right? Bring you into t- you know so the sheriff comes by or whatever. It's like oh sorry, some kids stole those out of the police. You know how things are, teenagers. Teenagers today creating yeah, highway kids these traps. Days. <laughs> oh, you can't afford all the cash only to get this fixed in town. Oh well, do we have a deal for you? We have a yeah local cowboy entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, go, I like I, I think I kept joking that he's basically just that Thatherton, Thatherton yeah, Thatherton, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And um, he's like, yeah, yeah, you have this great like establishment that um, you know at some point kids climbing on the animatronics. We had a lawsuit, had to shut down. Damn kids. Well, anyway, I want to get it back up and running, but it's fucking filthy. So mm-hmm. if you can, it's funny because. The way they worded it was like, if you can survive the night, I'll pay to have your car fixed. Yeah, they, they, they worded it vague on purpose, of course. But it, to um, me, it sounded sinister. No, I know, exactly. It's just yeah. like they really leaned into that, like, wink, wink, nudge, Yeah, nudge. like, if you can survive the night, I'm like, this sounds like one of those, yeah. like, you know, House on Haunted Hill kind of thing. Exactly. But then exactly. Nick Cage was like, oh, I see, he, I'm, I'm the janitor. Except he, <laughs> except he wasn't that, he just stared and like... Rrr. Well, he, yeah, he yeah sorry, he, he doesn't say a single yeah. word, but yeah. he's just like, he's like... His approach seems to be like, oh yes, I'm I'm the janitor for the night. Yeah. Like, survive what? Who knows? Yeah. And yeah, he leaned into it and embraced it. That's for sure. He yep. did a lot of work. And this is already getting into one of the many fucking questions I have about <laughs> this movie because the guy right there is just like, and take lots of breaks. <laughs> and so he has routine energy drink breaks. Yeah. Where it's just with like pinball. Yeah, he just has, like, a fuck... All he gets out of his trunk is, like, a fucking 
crate, basically, <laughs> of Joel Cola knockoff. Yes. And uh, he just fills the fridge with his, like... Like, how the fuck did he not go into, like, some kind of diabetic coma with, with how much of that he was knocking Yeah, because I don't know it was the sugar-free kind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so that was already a question right off the bat in that we have this hopped-up caffeinated Nick Cage who's just cleaning. I mean, he's I'll give him that. He's a good employee. Yeah. Does yeah, his good, job. good work ethic and all that. Yeah. So, pretty early in... Oh, God. Okay, we're already getting to some of my beefs with this movie. <laughs> like, pretty it, early into his shift, we'll call it. Yeah, we, we find out... Like, we already know when we turn the movie on what the danger is. You yeah. Don't, you don't watch this movie and go, like, wait a Wait, second. the animatronics are, like, alive and evil and trying to kill people? Yeah. What? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, in the, 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 the world of the film... Yes. It's still a horror movie, and it's still not known by the characters... They really played their hand early they in do. a way that did nothing for the atmosphere, and it just made more odd character decisions in that Nick Cage clocks on to what the animatronics are doing, like, immediately, mm-hmm. and is just chill about it. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I guess is part of the charm of the character. Yeah. I'll give them, I'll give them credit that they did something that I haven't seen before. <laughs> In that the character is just thrown into this dangerous, unknown situation and literally doesn't give a fuck because he's got a job to do. Yeah. And not even like a, like, you know, an assassin with a job to do or somebody like he, he, there's, because there's no character development, you don't know what his deal is. Yeah. So it's not one of those, like, I don't know, John Wick types who's like, I have a job to do and yeah. no matter what comes up in my way, I got, it's like, it's fucking cleaning a filthy rundown. It's like... <laughs> Like, honestly... It doesn't strike me as, like, a mission. No, but he treats it like one. Yeah. With the utmost importance. Yeah. Um, and so it's not... But breaks... Takes his breaks. Takes his breaks, yeah. yeah. Like, it's good. clockwork. But it's not long until he gets attacked by an animatronic. Well, I think for the first one, he's, like, kind of staring it down. Doesn't he, like, push it or, like... Yeah, it's like think, an ostrich motherfucker. Yeah, like... like tries I, to bite him. Yeah. Or... He fights it anyway. Yeah, because I, like, I, I remember them staring it down. I can't remember if he was the first one to like, you know, poke it or to like do something to be like, yeah. so okay, fine. Is there someone in there? Let's figure it out. I think he like gets his cheek and so he Maybe. like rips his spine out or something yeah. like that. It's pretty great. But he just dispatches this fucking thing after realizing that they're all watching him and they're kind yeah. of moving places a little bit. Throws it in a garbage bag, realizes he can't take it outside because he's locked inside. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, leaves the trash bag there. Just Keep gets going. back to fucking work. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting choice for sure, but concurrently to this, we see a bunch of uh, no good youths. Yeah, the ones who would supposedly be the ones to set up the spikes on the road. Yeah, they're trying to burn the fucking place down. Mm-hmm. And it's I guess they know what the score is. But then they realize there's a guy in there, and they're like, "Oh, we gotta get him out first. Yeah, because we're not gonna kill another. We're not gonna kill an innocent guy. Oh God, this was an interesting choice about the uh, the, the crew of kids mm-hmm. because. They sort of had that stock archetype character thing going. Mm-hmm. And it was in a way that it's like, I don't believe these kids hang out together. Yeah. Like, <laughs> as I mentioned, the town is so fucking small that I, I believe it in the sense that, like, I've lived in neighborhoods where there were few kids before, yeah. and you hang out so with that, around. So it's that or nobody. Yeah. Especially, I imagine, yeah, within yeah. your own kind of general age group, and, like, you... Yeah. It is who it is. It's but take it or the, leave it. This really just felt like, who are the teen archetypes for this movie? Let's mm-hmm. plunk them in. And, I mean, they're not bad. They're, 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 they're just not much. There's, there's not much to them. There's, like, no real character development. Like, we know that at all one has a past, movie. and that's why she's determined to burn it down. Yeah. But 
yeah, it's... Well, later on we find out that her past is in the little prologue thing. Mm -hmm. When uh, parents get wiped out by the things that are unwitting sacrifices, uh, the kid survives. And it's this kid now who's uh, Mm -hmm. been raised as, uh, you know, like, oh, I have to save and protect you. Which, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. But good God, they're really shitty to the kid, given Mm -hmm. that it's like this solemn duty kind of thing. Yeah. I will say the um, actor playing the, the mom, who's also the sheriff, uh, does is probably one of the most believable human beings yes. in this movie, in that you feel the sense of character yeah. with her, kind of thing. Don't you know? like her very much, but oh, you yeah. feel it, yeah. Hey, bad character is still like, you know, it's a good bad character kind of mm. thing, where it's like, oh, you're sort of the bad guy. But yeah, the kids managed to break in, and it turns into this huge thing where Nick Cage just like, let's kill puppets. And I'll help the kids because they're in the way, almost, because I'm trying to clean and they're fucking around. Like, I'll help them if it comes up, but I'm also going to be very detached and just, like, yeah. stick to my my yeah. thing. I will say that that worked great in the moment that made me laugh. Like, probably the funniest moment in the movie, when they're gearing up to fucking kill this Muppet in the super happy fun room or whatever <laughs> after the kids fucking just got ruined. Yes. And um, he's just, like, ready to go. And his alarm goes off, yeah. so he hands the knife to that the, the team. Yeah, hands her back her knife. It just leaves without yeah, saying a break. word. And then she's stuck fighting, fighting the monster while he chugs his jolt cola and plays pinball until his brakes over. Then he comes back and wrecks it. Mm-hmm. That was pretty great. That was yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, we don't have tons to say about the plot yeah. of this one, but I think I can talk about about what didn't quite click with me for this. Mm-hmm. Is I feel like it didn't commit enough to the things that made it interesting. Yeah. Like, the fight against the gorilla animatronic in the back bathroom was probably the best one yeah. of the movie. Because it was actually, like, a set piece. Yes. Sort of thing. Just clean the bathroom, and then you hear, like, the voice as he's going through the stalls. Mm-hmm. And then this big fucking brutal fight happens. It's like, okay, that was actually pretty great. Mm-hmm. And um, made use of the space around them, and, like, yeah. what wasn't... Yeah. But the other ones just feel like... Especially because that was the second one. Yeah. After that, just feels so uneventful almost like Nick Cage squares off punches them a bit and like rips their head off or whatever and then that's it for a premise like this I honestly think that it should have been a bit splattier splatterier yeah (laughs) Uh, just because you know it is being b-movie cheese but it's like if you're doing that like schlocky b-movie thing I wish they leaned into that part of it a little more for sure and it makes you wonder what what was the the uh, impetus to hold back because it feel it feeled wow it felt a little more extreme than just like obviously aimed at teens Mm -hmm. teen horror and a little more offbeat by like our teens gonna be aware of nick cage and and all (laughs) that kind of stuff like oh that's the guy from all those memes yeah exactly (laughs) uh so it's kind of interesting that they didn't go harder with that stuff Mm -hmm. but but they didn't go hard enough to really get me cheering yeah like i'm not saying i need splattery movies to have a good time but if you're not gonna have plot, if you're not gonna have characterization, give me something. It, yeah, make up for it. Uh, like, or at least you know, make make intentional choices that make sense. Yeah. So I I feel like they went for something, and I give them a thumbs up for that. But mm-hmm. I just I just wasn't convinced. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, about it. But for the nostalgia factor of it, I remember going to these Chuck E. Cheese places as a, as a kid, and it's one of those things where. It's interesting to think, because we mentioned there's that nostalgia, then there's also kids who have the Five Night at, at uh, Freddy's um, 
yeah. frame of reference. Yeah, which I, I say specifically because when I was um, nannying for a couple of years, the um, the older kid was... Because I started in the summer, so that fall he started kindergarten. So I can't remember if he was still in kindergarten or if it was when he was in grade one, but he was like like Five Nights at Freddy's was like the thing. That's kind of like, how I clocked onto it yeah. wasn't even a thing to begin yeah, with. Yeah, because I, I probably even came and asked you about it. Because I remember he, he, he was at... Because he knew I liked horror and stuff. He's like, yeah. oh, do you know about like... And I thought he said Five Nights of Freddy's, and I was like, like, Freddy Krueger? Like, what? See, that would fucking rule. Where it's just like, you gotta survive five, five nights. Five different Freddy's. Five Freddy's for five <laughs> nights. I mean, you know, go to sleep every night, you got a new Freddy every night. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I never really, like, encountered it directly. It was just him talking about it and, he, and telling me about, we were at school and we were out at the park and I saw, like, Bonnie or Chica or, like, one of one of the animatronics. And I was like, we saw it and it was really scary. I'm like, oh, that's... That's crazy, man. Like, can't believe it. Oh, and then he... Because he never played, like, the game itself. But out of curiosity, I, I looked it up. And I think, like, the plot of... At least the first game, because I guess there's a bunch of Five Nights at mm-hmm. Freddy's. Um, yeah, it, it, so not just the premise, but also the plot isn't too dissimilar from Willy's Wonderland. So I see right. why they were very explicitly like, nope, this is its own thing. Yeah, because it's you, you'd mentioned that and what little I know about Five Nights. I did do some cursory reading, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's all I did. I am slightly yeah, like prepared when I, like for when these on episodes. Wikipedia. <laughs> Despite how it sounded so far today, I am slightly prepared for these episodes. But yeah, it's interesting because you see like them like insisting it's like this was not ripping on that because you know they had a potential lawsuit issue yeah. around it we just happened to pick this exact moment in time to it's very do similar. this yeah very similar premise and i mean story. it's already better because you don't get nick cage just like playing pinball in five nights unless they've made the game really good mm-hmm. and in which case i need to play it immediately <laughs> but yeah so that's like kids today their their grasp on this thing whereas would for be me, my guess assuming i haven't been like hey but well, like, I don't know if Chuck E. Cheese even exists still. I, you know, it, it does. It they got does in like the they in like the, the cultural awareness. Yes, are there still Chuck E. Cheese's open? I think. Yeah, I don't know. But because for me, I have nostalgia attached to my time there. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's interesting that perhaps that is where the filmmakers would assume my attachment that would get me interested in this movie. Would be and in a sense, they're right because I did watch it, but. I, I, it's one of those nostalgia things where I have no interest in going back to a Chuck E. Cheese where it's possible and not because I want to protect the good times so much as when I think back I just think no I wouldn't hit today yeah it's like I, 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 I don't agree that you know it's not one of those things where it's like oh I gotta relive that and then you go and you're disappointed because it sucks uh-huh. it's 100% because it's like yeah greasy pizza <laughs> With our animatronic rats staring at you, and like beady children's eyes. eyes, like little arcade games, and yeah. like honestly, the best game there was the one where it was these fucking clown puppet head things, and you had this cannon yeah. that shot like air pressure, these rubber balls, almost like racket balls, and you're just like, boom, boom, just knocking out these clown things. And that was the best game. I don't, I don't remember, remember what it's called. I just remember that whenever we'd see one of those in the wild, it's like, <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's one of those. So I think you can have nostalgia for something while also recognizing that you're like, I'm not that target demographic 100%. anymore. And 100%. it doesn't like, I, I appreciate it for what it was yeah. and thinking back of it, but it's not something I'm trying to like actively relive. Honestly, I prefer, I prefer this kind of nostalgia anyway, yeah. because I think there is a bit of an obsessiveness mm-hmm. attached to nostalgia where it's just like so in love with the potentially misguided notion of what it is you're remembering yeah to a point that it's it becomes an obsession yeah and that's on the individual levels we're not even getting into how it's like weaponized in like politics 
Yeah, uh, I think after all this, we'll have to do a little brief rundown of that because that was part of why I wanted to do this episode with yeah. you because I know you have a lot to say about nostalgia. Yeah, I, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm I'm inherently suspicious of nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I think the way I put it, that makes the most sense for me where I'm like, sus- yeah, suspicious of like what, what purpose is it serving? What What's the motive? Yeah, what's the motive? How is it being used? Because yeah, again, on an individual level, thinking back like, oh, that was really fun. Yeah. Or me, I wonder what well, would be like, like if I Pokemon did that today. Go, that yeah, yeah, that yeah. That hit a nostalgia spot for you. I think yeah, I think it's more when it's in terms of, especially like political agendas yeah. and stuff, because it's usually yeah, call back to this again, this glorious past that never actually existed and would really suck if it did. Yes. In the present or future. Yeah. Before maybe we get to, to more of that, one thing I did like about the way this movie ended is that you know there's the the teen girl who's like the last survivor yeah, of the group girl. who uh climbs into the car with nick cage it's just like all right offers her an energy drink and they speed off and it's just like i've seen people talk about this a lot too the the sort of dadification of this kind of stuff oh, where, I guess, where yeah. it's almost like there's a, a lot of like creators like you hear this a lot when it comes to video games where stories hinge around like parenthood a mm. lot more because the people making these games and the people consuming them are now parents right. themselves. yeah and uh you kind of see that a lot in movies too and and it's it's nice i like i like that the like it would be super creepy in this one anyway but i like that we've moved away from purely like romantic i was gonna say the same thing yeah like obviously that wouldn't even make sense in this fucking movie but uh i I like that we're seeing other kinds of like bonds form Mm -hmm. from these experiences and that's what's going on here and you know that especially in the context of something that we're talking about nostalgia to our childhood or kids today having a frame of reference for what this movie's kind of playing with it makes sense that they would sort of lean into that parent-child relationship mm-hmm. in, in a way. Yeah. And so I actually, I, I liked that ending, even though it didn't really reveal anything about Nick Cage's character. And it's just like, it's one of those movies that it just kind of starts, happens, then ends, and there you go. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not it's not the kind of plot where you're sitting there being like, that's it? Kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's that's pretty it. self-contained. Yeah. So... Yeah, it was it was an interesting watch. Like I don't regret watching it, of course. For sure. But so I mean, like I'm not upset it was made. I'm not upset I spent time watching no. it or anything. I'm just like I still just ask why. Yeah, I probably won't revisit. You know, if I want my fill of Nick Cage doing his thing, I'll watch Mom and Dad again. There you that was, go. That was great fun. I'll watch Vampires Kiss if I want to mm-hmm. hop into my nostalgia machine. Yeah. It's interesting that he's like completely silent in this. I thought that was an interesting choice, and mm-hmm. I hate that part of it. I mm-hmm. thought like, oh, it's cool they went there. Yeah. But I think the uns the the, the like seldom spoken kind of uh, mysterious character who has this capacity for rage and stuff. Like I think, you know, it's comparing apples and oranges. But you see a similar kind of thing with his character Red in Mandy. Yeah. And that character, you get the bare minimum of the backstory. It's true, yeah. Uh, for, for who the character is. Uh, but it's perfect for the how the movie works, and mm-hmm. I believe that character as a character. Yeah, and I'm, like, invested yeah. in in it, in him. In, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Also, um, I know of different filmmakers, but I'm kind of sad that there wasn't a little cheddar goblin in uh, <laughs> Willy's Wonderland. I'm sad there's, there's not a little cheddar goblin in, like, most things in life. Oh, that's no, true. is that nostalgia talking? Yeah, but that's uh, Willy's Wonderland, and... It was a movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next movie that we watched, it's interesting how this one is not at all either of us, our frame of reference Mm-mm. from childhood. Like, we don't have nostalgia to this because it was way before our time. Yeah. Uh, we watched the Banana Splits movie because <laughs> it's also on Netflix and we figured, fuck, double feature. Yep. 
I will say right out of the gate, just jumping ahead of myself a bit right now, but right out of the gate, that first shot of the mom sleeping on the couch mm-hmm. and then sitting up wearily, like, kind of thing. There was more characterization in that one shot <laughs> there was. than there was in all of the characters combined in Willy's Wonderland. Literally. Like, you know, it was this weird moment. I just remember seeing that and thinking, because we watched this immediately after Willy's Wonderland. Yeah, we like went for a walk and came back. We're like, well, let's sit in, buckle in for the, another, um, the next one. Number two. Yeah. But this one is uh, based on a property by Hanna-Barbera that yeah. aired from 68 to 70. Right. So, and I think it was... I, if I remember correctly what I was reading, it was in syndication till the early 80s. Mm. So I wasn't even quite born yet. Yeah. And it was no longer a thing, but I was aware somehow of right. these guys. Like I, I'd never seen the show. And if you showed me a photograph of the banana splits, I possibly would have said, oh, those are the banana splits, but also possibly wouldn't you have. been like, oh, I, that looks familiar maybe, yeah. but I don't it's know what it's I've from. I've never fucking seen the show. Yeah. But my familiarity with the banana splits is because of the um, Dickies cover of the right. song. Back it, in my uh, punk days when I went and saw them <laughs> at New City before it closed, moved right. location, opened up, and got filled with... Uh, apparently white supremacists started going there. Oh, gross. I, I couldn't say for sure because I didn't go yeah, to New Location. Yeah, and then it closed. Right. That's Edmonton for you. Mm-hmm. Everything just like, it's either an institution that's there for a million years or it lasts like, like two years Six tops. months to a couple years. Yeah. yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Oh, well. But yeah, for me, uh, I know when like the, the regular like theme song came on, I was like, oh, I've, I've heard this before. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to tell you where or why or from what, right. but I was like, this at least sounds familiar. That's the best I can give you. <laughs> Given the uh, tone of the movie, like, I mean, it was a horror comedy, but mm-hmm. given that it was doing the dark horror movie kind of thing, I was almost surprised that it didn't do what you see in ads today, or it's just like the slow acoustic guitar with the sad, <laughs> soft voice, where it's like, one banana, two bananas, totally. Well, it reminds me, you mentioned you saw an ad for some, like, true crime thing. Oh my god, yeah. Fuck, I don't even remember what we were watching, but it was, like, the new version of one of those, like, cold case type shows. And, yeah, it had the most, like, it had, like, the, like, slow cowboy gothic, like, cover of Scarborough Fair playing. Uh, I, I was just like, what is happening? Fucking blame that Donnie Darko cover of Mad World for all of this. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, tangent aside. I've, oh, it's good. We had a tangent finally. I was, <laughs> I was wondering if we'd have one. We remained on brand. But yeah, so this is a, a show. It was a variety show with these costume people created by Hanna-Barbera. Of Scooby-Doo fame. Of Scooby-Doo fame, yeah. And they... I, t- t- here, a little tangent. I okay. just remember as a kid, because I fucking love Scooby-Doo. And this no, one, I, you? I know. So, but that being said, um, I remember, cause, you know, created by Hanna-Barbera. Yes. And so as a kid, like a little kid, elementary school, I remember being like, oh, it's created by two ladies named Hannah and Barbara. And my mom had to I explain, like, nope, that's, uh, that's their last names. And and that that's what made you a feminist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Realizing yeah. it's a man's world after all. It's a all. man's world after all. <laughs> but yes, uh, so yes, a Hanna Barbera property yeah. creation, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but it was it was a variety show that was family friendly. Mm-hmm. And seen the big like weird monster animal costumes that yes. they'd all wear and all that. And I remember 
when the ads first came out that they were doing a Banana Splits movie, like, I paid zero attention to the fact there was a Banana Splits movie because I'm like, oh, I'm vaguely aware that was a thing. But then one of my earliest exposures was, I think, like, bloody disgusting folks about it. I'm like, mm. wait, what? And then I was like, yeah, they're doing a horror movie version. And I was immediately hooked just yeah. from having a frame of reference. It's like, <laughs> that's a kid-friendly family fun time show. And Y'all are making it grim horror. dark. And this is where... I feel like it kind of hit what I felt Willy's Wonderland was lacking in that it's pretty fucking gross at times. It is. It really, in a funny yeah. way. But yes. Yeah. But they they fully leaned into they it. leaned into it. But uh, before we get to that, we got... Do you want me to start or do you want to start with the setup? Go ahead. Okay, so we have this... Uh, I thought she was a single mom at mm-hmm. first because of the way they set it up. But actually, it's this uh, woman married to a sort of absentee husband so i think it's kind of good that it took a while for him to show up and he's just there to be a dick mm-hmm. um, but she's got this young child or younger child yeah and, with uh, him and then her like you know newly adult like 19 year old son from like a previous oh god relationship. this movie was another one of those ones where every time a new character would show up on screen i'd be like bootleg version of yeah yeah uh, different like, actors who's the mom who's the mom the bootleg version of Oh, fuck, I don't remember. I just remember the older son were, like, bootleg version of the, like, hereditary dude. Yeah, the dude from hereditary. And, and from uh, old, apparently. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Him. And uh, my friend Dahmer. Ah. Uh, yeah. I don't remember who, who was the mom. I have to see her again. I could make... I don't remember maybe exactly. Maybe I'll look it up. Oh, I remember one thing that I said, because it showed the shitty TV exec, and then it showed the shitty husband, and then it showed the shitty little sidekick on the show. Like, there were three characters that I thought, this would have... Like, they all do good jobs. Like, I'm not knocking these actors. But yeah. If one of them, at least, was played by Joel McHale, I yeah. think it would have just fucking hit. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, I, or I guess, let, let me put it this way, they all did good jobs, but I could easily see Joel McHale stepping into those roles. Absolutely. Yeah, like, it, it's just so, I'm just getting vibes completely between uh, Jeff Wenger and his character in Assassination Nation. Mm, like, 100%. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, it's the little, the younger kid's birthday, and... Uh, big surprise is that the mom has tickets to go see the Banana Splits, a live taping of the show, because he's it's obsessed with the show. Favorite. And I love that they don't ad- do they address or not the fact that the Banana Splits is just a show that exists in 2019, the year of our Lord, kind of thing. Yeah, they really do that. Yeah, because it's not a throwback show. It's no. not set into the 60s. Like they have smartphones and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not no, even it's, trying it's, to be it's that. It's contemporary which, yeah. and it's as if it was still going because yeah. it doesn't strike. It seems like it's a thing that happens regularly. Like it's been like they talk about it. Like it's still on the network, and we're yep. still going. And it's still bringing you money. Yep. It's it's not like a thing that we're like we're doing this. We're bringing this back yeah. for your parents. Plus, they don't hide that it's robotics. Yeah, like yeah, they, yeah. They don't, at least not for the viewer. That's one thing I was kind of conflicted on. It's like, so do the people watching this think it's people in suits, right? Or do they think that they're did, robots because they act like yeah. both could be true? It, it, they do, yeah. And so yeah. it's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, my, I, I guess maybe we're supposed to either assume that it's been on this long time and then at some point they you know went all tech and we're like yeah. we have robots now yeah. instead of people in suits yeah yeah but it's yeah it's never really like addressed which i don't know that that really matters but yeah no, I, I'm, but I'm not that, sure that was probably one of the few plot points because i mean you know it's if you pick it apart just like any of the movies or a lot of movies cover this podcast it'd be easy to pick apart yeah, but it, you know it follows its own internal logic for the most part exactly so, so whatever it's just that one thing that i was like wait what yeah you're like i don't think that was the case i don't know if they yeah. 
Yeah. So. But anyway, so yeah, they're, they're going to go see a taping of Banana Splits. Of course, when they announce the kid, dipshit dad is just like takes all the credit for it. He's after, just like, I got you tickets for this thing. Yeah, after expressing like, oh great, we have to go do this fucking thing. Like, yeah, ugh. he's basically just like looks at his, his son enjoying this show and he's just like, look at that fairy prancing around like a dipshit. Like that's the look on his face. Totally. And it's one of those things where it's just like, oh yeah, gross dude. Right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't like him. So they go to the show, and right off the bat at the taping, uh, when they're getting there, the security guard is just like, oh, I see them driving around in their little cars at night kind of thing. And you think he's just, well, we know better, but they all play it off like he's messing with the kid. And of course the dad... Because the kid, he specifically asks, like, is this, like, the best place to work ever? Like, oh my god, do you ever see them? Like, he's so stoked. And so, yeah, yeah, you kind of just think that it's the the guard being like, oh yeah, I see them around. Like, it is is totally magic. Welcome. But it totally also just feels like... Like kind of like, yeah, these deranged robots could be driving around <laughs> at night, you know, headless just, horseman stuff. And we just let them. Yeah. <laughs> they, they go to the taping and line up and uh, page the page, this is the running <laughs> joke, takes everyone's phones for the yes. taping, puts them in a bag. And, you know, it's, uh, I feel like that's kind of the thing with horror today is you sort of have to figure a way around communication the if you want to smartphones yeah because uh, there's only so many ways that you can be like i can't get a signal totally kind of thing. and sometimes it works but you don't want to yeah. just fall back on that all the time yeah. that's why i would write horror movies and set them in the mid 90s or earlier not because the nostalgia but just because then i don't have to write around why no yeah. one has a smartphone they totally. just they don't exist yet boom you're done exactly that's also very lazy writing but anyway <laughs> uh, if you commit and make it work then it's yeah. it's not because that could create a lot of work for yourself horror movie at Lollapalooza, although that's already happened this year with uh, Lollapalooza during a pandemic, and uh, Fred Durst would be played by Nick Cage with that (laughs) look he has going. Have you seen the pictures of him? I don't know that I have. He looks like he wants to do a cover band for like Leonard Skeeter, but like Guy Fieri would be there, and the singer for Smash Mouth would be there, and they'd make a band together. They all kind of have that look. That's fun. I love that for them. Anyway, so they go into the, the show, and of course, the teenage son talks to the page a bit, and it's just like, hey, um, yeah, hey, can I get your own number? Hey, uh, hey, I'm just a guy. And, um, yeah. and it's one of those things where it's just like, okay, this character was written by people who have heard of social anxiety and <laughs> wikipedia it, and yeah. it's like, the director's just like, oh, that's a thing. All right, do it. This person would, yeah, a person with this would absolutely initiate conversations yeah. like this. It was a choice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the actor does a fine job throughout the movie. It's, totally. just, it's more it's more like the character, the yeah. way it is written. It's just like it's a little a little far on that front. <laughs> but you know whatever. What anyway, else? so um as they're getting ready for the show, we see the robots getting a tuned a up or update. whatever. Yeah. yeah, they're getting plugged into this machine, they're getting hacked, you know, like <laughs> Matrix screen by okay, is this Geppetto ass motherfucker in a <laughs> workshop just like, Oh, I love my robots, but time for an update and he just plugs them into the fucking Matrix and then it's just like bad at coding because he just like does a Robocop Prime directive of like the show must go on uh-huh. and that's it and uh, little does he know that the show is being cancelled that yes, night this is the, the last tape but if the show must go on and the execs are the ones making it not <laughs> uh oh uh oh spaghetti spell murder robots yeah so the show happens despite the fact that some of the people like the producer knows that it's the last one but they're trying to keep it under wraps yeah. but the dipshit guy the fucking the guy nobody likes yeah yeah the, the guy the, he, the, the guy from the show yeah the kid's just like nobody likes him yeah <laughs> that was great he's just like 
he I think he finds out that it's not happening and goes on stage and is just kind of a dick the whole yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, like, he is anyway. And yeah, he is anyway. Drunk but, and, but yeah, yeah, during, um, when he's not on stage, like, before his next cue, he's just getting fucking shit-faced mm-hmm. and being a creep yeah. uh, in his trailer. He just comes out and acts like an absolute turd. But, uh, they, yeah, they, so the show continues and uh, we start getting those little signs that things aren't quite right when the at the... They do the big wheel at the end of, like, how is the episode going to end? And it always ends on Rock Out. That's right. And uh, when they get to Rock Out, one of them just fucking bodies him off the amp. <laughs> he just, like, cr- fucking loses it onto the oh, ground. Oh, yeah. And then it's just like, oh, it's just part of the show. Yeah, the kid's like, well, he went bongo, whatever the fuck his name is. He never hurt anybody, so... Because he doesn't hurt people, so oh. I guess that's part of the show. Like, he, he, he can tell something's up, because he's like, that's not my, that's not my animatronic dog or whatever the fuck yeah that's not my dog yeah but yeah that that happens and it's hilarious <laughs> uh but as it's ending a few people got invited to stay back if they had the stars on the back of their tickets or if they sweet talk page to page yeah well that's just that the old they don't have the stars on their tickets the main family but the older brother like goes and finds it's okay it's my like, little bro's birthday it would make his life get yeah. some stars yeah, and uh, so makes it happen. So, you know, again, more character... Like, I, I believe these as people. Like, yes. Like, his social anxiety is played in a way that it just feels a bit, like, weird. Yeah. But... But, uh, like, otherwise, it's like, okay, your heart's in the right place. Yeah, no, the characterization's yeah. there and all that. Um, For sure. Say so stay behind as the other unlucky families leave. Oh, <sighs> for, foreshadowing. <laughs> um, and they get to meet the... Uh, the Muppets or whatever they are, but they've already like fucked up the dipshit guy on the set who's just like any exec I think who made the decision to pull the plug. Yeah, yeah, they they, they corner him in the, in his little like swank room where he's on the phone. It's like, yeah, it's canceled. <laughs> I'm so good at canceling shit. Gonna buy a Tesla and jerk off in it or some <laughs> shit like that. Um, and he gets uh, iced off screen. Uh, the, the dipshit guy, this, he was the first one taken out, and we haven't seen anything that excessive yet in the movie. Like, it, it holds back in because. a way that it kind of... I was disarmed a bit, I'll admit. Yeah. For when he grabs the... The robot grabs the big fucking lollipop and sticks it down his throat, and they have this great makeup prosthetic <laughs> of his neck distending from it. Ugh. I was not fucking ready. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't either. They went hard. Yeah. But they, and they played their hand at a good time. That yeah. It had that effect, unlike some other movies. Yeah. But then that's kind of the rest of the movie is yeah. these people realize something's fucked up with these robots as they're going around just killing people, including the sort of like Instagram live obsessed Instagram dude baddies. Getting uh, live streamers. Magicians sawed in half. And it reminded me of like uh, that reveal in uh, American Horror Story Freak Show when they like do the sawing in half and pull it open all the fucking guts oh, fall. It's like, oh god, it was that. real. Yeah, they go with they go kinda of, I remember you made the comparison to like Wizard of Gore yeah, almost like, in it. Yeah, it's it like Wizard yeah. of Gore vibes going on. Absolutely. Um, but he's kind of that obnoxious social media person who just like I think as you mentioned. Yeah, like live stream every freaking aspect of my life that I'm here, I'm doing this, I'm doing yeah. that. I cannot possibly do it alone without an audience. Yeah, and uh, ends up proposing to his girlfriend and she immediately On live stream, and yeah. she immediately accepts and then he is immediately killed Dispatched. and she is completely traumatized but understandably traumatized Mm -hmm. but in that very horror movie way where he's like in half and she's holding his hand it's like we're gonna get married yeah yeah kind of thing but oh god I remember saying like you know it's just different world and I definitely am gonna sound like some like old get off my lawn fogey but (laughs) 
I, I, I can understand the appeal in just making public everything, everything. about your private life. You know, I'm and a, not just I, making public, but making content out of it. Yeah. Like, I, I will admit, I am definitely a fairly private person. Yeah, me too. Like, more than possibly is even considered the, the normal amount. Like, I don't. Nowadays, at least, yeah. Yeah, yeah the frames of reference. Like, I don't post shit on Facebook about myself because it's like, mm, mm. I don't want to. Yeah. And most of Facebook is pe- for me is people I actually know. Yeah. But, you know, some people do and it, it works for them. Uh, it's just, this really feels like to the gross extreme. Like, you're seeing that, like, fucking guy who's like, dying in the hospital like trying to outdo Bolsonaro or whatever uh, and I think I think I seriously saw this Twitter thing where it's like yep things are going worse for me catch me on this live stream it was just this like fan cam they made of their own invasive surgery oh my god it was so <laughs> fucked up like it was one of those things where I was like this is a parody right and it's I like, hope so oh no yeah. Jesus fuck's sake yeah but yeah anyway Tangents are back, baby. Hell yeah, brother. Um, so, the robots are on a killing spree. Because the show must go on. It's very entertaining how they, they blend like the goofy, lighthearted nature of the show mm-hmm. with... The grimdark. The grimdark. Like, <laughs> for example, they find the um, the husband is cheating. Yes. Kind of thing. Like, she can, she goes out and sees him on his phone. Because he's the whole movie's like, oh, I have to talk to work. I have to talk to work. And as soon as they try to take his phone, he's like, I need it for work. I have to... Uh, yeah, yeah, Kind of thing. Also, this is how you can kind of tell that there were definitely scenes cut out of this movie because mm-hmm. his phone was taken away and he's just and like, I'll go get a phone. And then he at just some point. has it and it's just assumed he went and got it back yeah. kind of thing. So there's a few jumps there where it's like, I feel like something was deleted. Yeah. Here. But, you know, whatever. It's, it's not film breaking or anything. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so she grabs his phone and sees that uh, he's sexting with it's his like secretary. secretary Very cliche. Uh, I think she even calls it a cliche. It is. Thing. He says some nasty shit about her, and it's just like, fuck off, I'm done, and is leaving when he gets chased by one of them in his little car that we saw driving around, and it was just so great seeing a Christine-ass moment where he's walking in the headlights come on or whatever, it's like, turns around, and it's just this big, goofy Muppet with giant sunglasses sitting in the car, and just mows his ass down. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's definitely where they bring in the like comedy yeah, of it. Yeah, it was so funny. Uh, it's a little splatstick. Yeah, or um, there's the uh, producer and someone else. Was it they have to run the uh, the slippy, sloppy right. obstacle course kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, and uh, just gets fucking darly murdered, kind of thing. Like yeah. nasty ass corpse effects going on, and that's kind of how this movie plays out. But even before the producer gets off in that way, I love the scene when the, like, dance mom, but it's a dad, goes into the office and <laughs> oh is just like, gosh. oh, you have to you have to get my, my, my child on your show, you must, and, and it's like, do your audition, and then she just sings something entirely inappropriate. It's like, okay, stop, no. Yeah, what was it again? How much joke? Yeah, so wasn't it my humps or something? Yeah. yeah. Or as a coworker once said when singing in the dish pit at my old restaurant job, what you gonna do with all that junk? I'm gonna put it in your trunk. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, that's not. I that, don't know. That's I, workplace harassment. It was thank a, you. it was 100 one of those um, Mac moments where it's just like I don't know enough to say you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of uh, but then you know like. Shortly after that, when he's running around trying to find the exec, he gets fucking his head set on fire. <laughs> and just all these fucking moments where it's just so... Yeah, it's just like, that, that robot is sentient if it thought yeah. to do that. Damn. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, uh, it, it goes into this sort of dark ending where the kids are chained away to be forever audience mm-hmm, to, for the show the that show must, must go, go on. Because uh, they find in like the tunnels below the workshop that all of the parents that didn't get the stars on their thing, they just got murdered. Same and with the other page who was taking them out. Yeah. yeah, like it's like, it's... Yeah, yeah they're just kind of like, ooh. It's heavy. You like, guys didn't have to places. do that. Yeah, you didn't have to go this far. And then all these kids are like fucking manacled to yeah. a bench. And uh, while well, the... the I keep saying Muppets. The, the Teletubby guys are just like doing their show. The banana splits. There you go. And they have the exec that went missing, like chained yeah. to that wheel. And... Uh, it's like, it always ends up on rock out, but then it's on banana split. So they fucking rip all his limbs off. And I, I wasn't In front ready. of the children. Like, they keep doing this in this movie. Every time you think you're like, okay, I get it. It's just like, they fucking go harder. Uh, but, yeah. But the, uh, the, the snorky Muppet. He's, yeah. He's nice. Yeah. And he unchains them. Gives the well, keys. Because, yeah, the, the kid is, is like, no, he's different. He's like, he wants to do the right that thing. That was another thing. I'm like, was something missing here? Because he just fucking knows it. And yeah. it's true. And I was like, I, I didn't know if it was going to go. I figured it probably wouldn't given he's the main character. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like ever since seeing like the new It, the, right, we're right at the beginning. They're like, we're going to rip Georgie's arm off and fucking kill him. Yeah. I was like, is it going to do that? Where, where the kid's like, no, we can trust him. Totally. And, we're, yeah. and like d- disarm you just enough that when it happens, it's like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> that did not happen. No, thankfully. That would have been. But then they I think made them watch a s- banana split. So. That would have been a step too far in the sense that I think it just wouldn't fit with this movie. Exactly. Because the movie is lighthearted yes. in how it's darkly comedic. Yes. Um, but yeah, they managed to have this huge fucking fight with the banana splits and escape and Snorky dies saving them. And it's that just white knighting for them. Snorky's it, it, a simp. It, <laughs> Jesus. I was going to say, it's like the sad scene from Honey, a Sharpie Kid where the ant fights a scorpion and like takes its life to save the little kids, which is so weird because why is an ant the exact same size as a scorpion? Yeah, that's makes you think. Makes you think. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, no, he's a simp apparently, so thank you for that. Uh, and they leave, and we get a fucking amazing ending to this movie where the traumatized girlfriend, fiance lady, oh my God. Uh, she goes into the workshop and sees the guy who's like lost his mind. He's like, I have to protect my creations. And the show must go on. And points out that he was working on a new one. He just has some of the costume. A girl banana split. A, 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 who's an owl. So she dresses up Is as the an owl. Split, murders him. And then runs over the shitty husband who's still alive in the car and he just explodes yeah like he's it was so gruesome he's done he, yeah yeah and yeah so this he movie gets was banana split by the fun. car and this is one where they took a very wholesome family oriented pretty property yeah and just went absolutely buck wild with it. yeah and i think it worked a yeah. lot better with like I, i'm even smiling recounting these yeah. things here Perfect movie? No, of course not. It, it was fun. Again, I'm kind of glad I got to see it on Netflix Me where too. it's already sort of a sunk cost. Yeah. Had I, like, ordered this on disc and watched it, I wouldn't be upset, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so I think it's kind of clear where, where, which one was my favorite. Mine that was the too. two. <laughs> you as well, yeah. I would feel a difference in, like, enthusiasm level talking about it. Yeah. 
But the nostalgia attached to this stuff, it's interesting that they still managed to hit that nostalgia, but in such a dark way. Mm -hmm. And maybe that helped me get more on board with the banana splits, especially because, again, I don't have nostalgia for the banana splits. It's before my time. Mm -hmm. Barely have a frame of reference for them. Yet it was so great seeing this... uh, old property deconstructed and then reconstructed in this weird Frankenstein yeah, kind this, of like, way. Yeah, this like boomer children's show. <laughs> yeah. And uh, perhaps that gulf of difference mm-hmm. uh, really helped me enjoy it. Like, it'd be like if they did a uh, Lord of the Flies version of Gilligan's Island kind right. of thing. Like, you know, that's again, or like they're on the Battle Royale Island. Like, yeah. okay, where's that movie? I've yeah, watched that. Yeah, make it. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I didn't watch Gilligan's Island. I didn't grow up on Gilligan's yeah. Island. Whereas Willy's Wonderland, especially with the Five Nights at Freddy's connection, the nostalgia almost isn't quite there because it's, yeah, because it's, it's it's like a nostalgia adjacent because it's for something. It's not taking a property that like is existed before this yeah. movie. It's sort of it's taking a premise the concept. Like I had, like I said, I have mild nostalgia for Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. This is the other thing too is it's not taking that nostalgia and turning it dark because that's what Five Nights at Freddy's did. So yeah. whether it was a copy or it was like coincidental, because you know, like turnaround on movies is crazy. It can take mm-hmm. a long time. So I'm not gonna sit here and say who ripped off who. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Five Nights started it was very like indie. Yeah, yeah. But it is one of those things where we have the precedence of this concept in a horror thing. So yeah. it's it doesn't it doesn't hit the same way. It's not a uh, darkening of this nostalgia. Mm-hmm. No, it's more kind of creating its own thing off of like a nostalgia adjacent, I guess, yeah. kind of thing, and then seeing what happens. Yeah. But yeah, dark nostalgia. It's a. Uh, do you have it in you to briefly encapsulate the the darkness of nostalgia and why you hate it so much? I or, don't. I guess I not don't hate it, it, but like I'm where suspicious you... of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So where's that coming from, or like what is it that? Yeah, just the seeing, especially like the it's it's the '80s nostalgia, especially that gets me because, and I think I've even talked about that on here before, yeah. where it's so wrapped up in like, oh, we used to like go out and ride our bikes and childhood was simple and life was simple and families were together and blah 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 everything that's not wrong with today and kids these days and technology and iphones and whatever but it completely glosses over like reaganism the aids crisis war like all these things that it's this very myopic like you know very white middle class childhood idealization and then it's like but the world is fucking falling apart around you and you're conveniently ignoring how shitty that was for so many people Mm -hmm. and the legacies of which still exist today in wealth inequality in forever wars in like just all these things so they're nostalgic for a time that was you know under reaganism kind of thing (laughs) and reaganism is 100 percent nostalgic for a pre-civil rights time right yeah so you know it's yeah or even yeah. like nostalgia for like the 50s and, and stuff. And it's like the 50s fucking sucked for women yeah. and for like, well, yeah, women in general, but like for, for lots of people. Yeah. And this this whole happy, happy nuclear family thing. It's like all these housewives were prescribed like speed and stuff because they're yeah. so fucking miserable after having lives and being able to. And this is, of course, you know, the white middle class, again, housewives, because like black women always had to work mm-hmm. and poor women working poor working class always had to work so that wasn't even like a thing yeah. that to be nostalgic for and it's so funny because if you go by by way of the, the, the reagan thing it's amazing how that still 
hits people yeah. in 2021. And the big one I'm thinking of is, you know, 50s, you know, post-World War II, but the 50s was, like, the huge, like, growth in Cold War paranoia. Yeah! And, you know, Reagan really hit that capitalist rah-rah thing back. And it's one of those things where... As you know, I know Canada is not that different from America, but as someone who's America not, di- diet America, yeah, America as someone who's not American, yeah, and you know doesn't believe a lot of that stuff anyway. It's so wild seeing still today someone saying the word communist or socialist with like literal boogeyman kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's like it's an economic system, and you and, and and it's so like people still talk about present day Russia like it's like yeah. KGB and communism. It's like yeah. girl. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just kind of wild because it's just like that time that everyone harkens back to being like the best days of America. Yeah, it's like people were constantly to. like my sister. Um, she had when she had to take social studies. She took it like in the summer, mm-hmm. summer school kind of thing to get it over with quickly to get the credits. And she had a teacher who was near retirement, and he talked about growing growing up during like the Red Scare and during. Yeah. He's like literally. He's like I would on the walk home through the woods. Would be looking over my shoulder for communists. I would be checking under my bed for communists. Like it yeah. was like as a child, like the literal like boogeyman monster. Like in probably like, didn't even know what a communist like was, a but it's stu- after me. In a stupid meme on Twitter, that would almost be hilarious. Right? But hearing that, it's like, oh, this the, was a kid this was who your actually believed that. Yeah, like yikes. But, and then yeah. all, not to mention the you know impending threat of fucking nuclear annihilation. Yeah. That's a little. Like, I've seen threads. That's like, yeah. Has that threat of we're on doomsday's doorstep ever left well yeah like it's just it's kind of changed because you know the cold war ended in like the uh late 80s with like the berlin wall like that's the marker that people do yes um you know there's still wars throughout the 90s it just shifted to the middle east kind of thing not that there weren't wars there before but you know that's where like desert storm was (laughs) the big thing in people's minds and china now and iran well yeah especially with post 9-11 it became terrorism's gonna kill us then it became china's becoming a superpower this whole time the climate's been spiraling out of control and china's communist it's like this kind of thing where it's like I almost understand why this dark approach to these like happy things happens because yeah. it's just like yeah it's inescapable <laughs> yeah no yeah. I remember somebody saying like I remember talking about you know climate anxiety and stuff and they're like well you know someone pointed out to me in, in a way the world has has always been about to end yeah and stuff and it's like okay is that supposed to be comforting <laughs> like, yeah right you know, <laughs> like not that I imagine it's any easier to live under a like really like if especially feels real fear of mutual like of nuclear annihilation but at the same time at least you had the like brinksmanship and the mutually assured destruction where it's like well if we attack you you're gonna attack us and we're all fucked so that's how we're gonna try and like keep keep the peace here with climate you don't have that no now we have mutually assured destruction that we're all dead if the climate goes whether we want to be or not all about it Oh, God. But, yeah, it, it has been a long time. Cause, I mean, like, fucking Iron Maiden in, like, the 80s had a song called Two Minutes to Midnight, which, you mm. know, Doomsday Clock. It's, yeah. like, so 30-some years ago, it was... Is that two minutes? Almost 40 years ago, it yeah. was two minutes to midnight, and right. we've only gotten closer yeah. since. What do they say now? It's, like, a second to midnight or some Probably. shit like that? It's one thirty. We forgot to change our clocks, <laughs> and we just, like, slept through Leno. Oops, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's one of those, like... I don't know, somebody said something, again, because I just, like, live online. I'm I'm starting a job soon, I promise. I'm going to have a real life again. But Uh. (laughs) but somebody on Twitter 
It's like, you know, we have to stop thinking about the end of the world as like a cataclysmic event and start thinking of it as like a ser- an ongoing series yes, of events. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck. Well, yeah. Like, yeah, that makes it, perfect started. sense, but fuck. I mean, because it's already started. It's exactly. been started for a while. Exactly. It's just, yeah, we always look at it like, they, even today they talk about it, it's like, what is the turning point date? Yeah, it's like, and it's like, yeah, that's good to know how long we have left, but not in a way that it's like, as long as we get our shit together yeah, in 15 like, years, 10 years, no. 2 years, whatever they think it is it's now. Like 40 years too late. Um, it's like, no, we we should realize that's how little time we have left, so let's fucking get started now yeah. to not get worse. Especially because so much of the infrastructure is going to take years to be built and to be yeah. built up. Well, I mean, uh, my folks uh, are right on the verge of being evacuated for forest fires. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, like they're very near where things are bad. And it wasn't always like that. Mm-mm. No. no like i was even thinking today it looks like it's gonna storm but that's just smoke blowing in on the wind yeah like the the sun is like we we have it really good right now as far as wildfire smoke like our air advisory has been hovering sort of at the cusp of like mild to moderate so it's been doable especially after the really high days that we had a few weeks ago yeah or at least sometime in july and it's like but it's still like man i remember Maybe this is just nostalgia talking, but I remember <laughs> when, like, summers in childhood, you could, like, breathe the mm-hmm. air all summer long. Yep. And that feels like a bygone luxury at this point. I grew up in, or some of my growing up was in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. And I had summers way worse than we have here. Yeah. Like, for heat and all that right. stuff. I don't remember being nearly as miserable as this yeah. summer has been. Well, especially like a heat dome. Yeah, like, that could very well be good. nostalgia talking. Or, yeah, you know, maybe. I'm like thinking back to the good times yeah. of, of it. Because uh, I do remember times where we would sit in the dark with fans pointed at us and a squirt bottle just missing ourselves watching TV because it's 48 outside and you can't do anything else. Or rain finally rolling in after a month and you go outside and just stand in your lawn and you see everyone down the block is just standing in their yard getting rained on. Mm-hmm. It's uh, So, you know, there were hard times, but it wasn't like this. Yeah. Definitely wasn't like this. Maybe you're just more conscientious yeah, now. That's true. That's Who true. knows? I don't know. Because, I mean, you know, that was almost 30 years ago. Right. Or 25. I don't know. Fuck time. It's, it's a lot anyway. <laughs> but wow. yeah, that got we, bleak. We went places. Yeah, maybe there's a reason we should not do tangents anymore. <laughs> Good lord. Okay, well, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, we Not hope, bad. We hope you enjoyed the movies we talked about, even if we weren't 100% sold on them. Yeah, you know, I know I know. I am looking forward. This hasn't soured my enjoyment of Nick Cage movies. I'm mm. looking forward to seeing Pig, especially <laughs> after hearing that it's not how it was originally sold as, like, this oh. Cage Rage kind of thing. Like, uh, one of our friends said she saw it, at uh, the metro and just like fucking cried hmm. kind of thing oh you might not have been there when we talked so, about that yeah i page yeah maybe yeah or uh upcoming scion sonos first american movie you might not know who that is he did a uh, suicide club uh, and then a bunch of fucked up movies since then that yeah I, I, i've only seen suicide club oh and i think he did uzumaki Okay. I'm not 100% I haven't seen that. any of those. I just remember Suicide Club coming up in high school. My friend being like, oh, there's this I fucking movie I really want to find happens. a copy because you need to see it because yes, there do. is a turn in it that is just so up your alley. It's insane. <sighs> oh, yeah. Um, Let's do it. But anyways, first American movie stars Nick Cage and Bill Mosley. So it's oh, just like, shit. shit, I'm there. I rewatched Rico yeah. the other day. <laughs> Oh god, I know. <laughs> okay, that's that's nostalgia. Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. You know, as much as we criticize nostalgia, I have nostalgia. Oh, absolutely! It's a very human thing to have. Like, like uh, last year, um, the, I just encourage people to like think critically about yeah. it. 
like the Tony Hawk Pro Skater yeah. Master came out, and it's like that game, the original, it shaped my taste in music in right. a large way. It reached a point where it's like, I've attempted to actually skateboard again after yeah. 20-some years of not touching a skateboard. Right. And, you know, part of it is because of remembering when I was a kid and we'd just bomb around on our skateboards and how fun it was. Mm-hmm. And then seeing this nostalgia piece of pop culture come back reminding me of it. Of course. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's just kind of what you do with it. And yeah. whether you let it consume your life or not. Yeah, and whether it keeps you trapped in the past. Yeah. Like off the top, you mentioned uh, the Harry Potter thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, even today, I'm not going to fault or criticize someone who still really loves Harry Potter because yeah. of how it hit them in formative years. But, you know, at the same time, you look at what's happened with a, a certain creator of Harry <laughs> Potter. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, it's recommendation station o'clock, and <laughs> um, I guess I'll go first this week. My recommendation, I had a hard time thinking of something for this. Fucking me too. So my recommendation is not for a movie or a piece of media for our listeners to watch, but it's for if there's anyone with any decision-making power in the film industry listening, listen to this, okay? What I recommend you do is if you're going to do this nostalgic, let's make dark versions of stuff from childhood, fucking bring back Mighty Max. I want a fucking Mighty Max movie, and I want it fucked up at Ash vs. Evil Dead levels. Kind of <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with Mighty I Max. I don't think so. It was basically Polly Pocket, but for boys. Oh, and it was you all told like monster that. shit. Right. And there were comic books. Like, there was this big barbarian dude who's like, I can't tell if he was a knight or a future boy. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was like Scottish looking and stuff. I say that because he had the big ginger beard. Yeah. And there's the owl man, just this owl who's walking around and does all these bad owl puns and then gets okay. mad at people for doing owl puns. And Mighty Max is this. This kid who has a shirt with a big M on it. So it's big Judy from Sleepaway Camp Energy <laughs> with Judy on her shirt. And he's got this like red baseball cap on sideways. And hmm. they just go through time and fight monsters and stuff. And so the, the toys would be, you'd pop them open. Like and they'd have the little Max figure in there yeah. and stuff. But it would be like a graveyard inside. Like a little diorama right. with like one or two little monsters. Oh, that's fun. And they had like big play sets for just the little tiny ones. And uh, anyway, so that's my recommendation Spectre Vision, get at me. I'll, I'll write your spec script for Mighty Max. <laughs> um, well, I guess, so for my recommendation of a piece of media that already exists, that already kind of alluded to this, and then I got thinking about it more, I'm going to recommend Child's Play 2, specifically. Oh, shit, yes, yes, yes. Because that's the one after, well, obviously it's the, it's the first sequel, and at this point, um, you know, the Chucky doll has been effectively destroyed. Yeah. And in order to save face, the good guy, corporation, whatever they are, who makes them, takes the pieces and puts it back together to prove that, no, 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 this doll was totally normal. I love how it would have made all the sense for them just to lie. And just be yeah. like, yeah, we rebuilt it. And this just is totally the line. same one. <laughs> but I right? love how, how they have integrity while having zero integrity yeah. that's great like just just lie and then you know pay out a suit and like just life goes on honestly i would love to rewatch that one because i remember not liking the sequel the first few times i watched it and it wasn't until the very last time i watched mm. it which i think was when we watched through them all yeah that i actually was like okay actually i get why people like this now. yeah i remember i'm not big on the third one yeah but the second one i remember liking yeah. But yeah, anyway, it gives big, like, show must go on energy. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, with the very, I mean, you know, the, 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 the good guy dolls, it's very much riffing on things that existed mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, but in the second one, especially when it's in, like, the toy factory yeah. and all that, it really has yeah. so much of that, that focus mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, and then 
yeah, just the complicating, I guess, nostalgia because yeah. t- it's something that Andy might have been nostalgic for, for trying to fucking kill him and his family, yeah. or just the the whole I again back to the idea of like Willy's Wonderland of yeah. like, the like some kind of nefarious, possibly, I, I'll say occult because it's not explicitly satanic and. Yeah in uh chucky but yeah it's voodoo yes exactly they really lean into that it's caucasian voodoo caucasian voodoo (laughs) i love that detail it is such an 80s horror movie thing (laughs) where it's just like as it turns out charles lee ray was really into voodoo yeah he's just just a white guy into voodoo yeah but it's like he got taught it by like legit practitioners Mm -hmm. but in the the hollywood horror movie way of legit practitioners yes in a very like like i guess whatever the equivalent like orientalist but for like you know, Central Caribbean America yeah, as opposed absolutely. to like, you know, the East. Yeah. The South. Yeah. Oh man. It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it this week. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry again. It's a bit late. Uh, we're just, it's been a, it's been a summer. It has. It has been a summer. That um, it has. Yeah. We appreciate you hanging out with us anyway. Yeah. And, Even uh, if we're flaky sometimes. No promises quite yet, because especially because we're both starting new jobs, mm-hmm. or hopefully, inshallah, I'm starting a new <laughs> job. I think we've sort of made a bit of a contingency plan to be able to regularly mm-hmm. put these out again and just have to see if it works. Yeah. Yeah. But until next time. Take it easy. Keep it sleazy.